With us today is Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, and he's with us every week. And uh, uh, we look up in the skies and we wonder what the heck is up there. Uh, Steve, give us some interesting things this week. Well, good morning, John, and good morning to the listeners of the Cats Roundtable. We start off on a somber tribute every year at this time of year, the last week of January into February. We mark, of course, a tribute to our fallen U.S. astronauts. We begin, of course, January 27th. 1967, John, a long time ago, the tragic fire with the lives lost of three Apollo astronauts, Grissom, Chafee, and White, this almost canceled the future of the Apollo program. And if things went differently, guess Grissom was probably going to be the first man on the moon. Then we find out 38 years ago today, how could we forget the loss of the crew of the space shuttle Challenger? Sadly, we all saw this if we were alive then, 73 seconds into the flight. The loss of the seven astronauts due to the O-ring seal failure on the right solid rocket motor. But, John, this is interesting. Through all the NASA research on this and investigation, the temperature was 26 degrees when they launched. They never should have launched it. And then on February 1st, 20 years ago, 2003, the shuttle Columbia disintegrated over Texas, Louisiana. The loss of all seven astronauts simply spaced can be risky, but hopefully we learn from these mistakes and we memorialize our space heroes. What say you? Did, did they find did they find the actual what went wrong with that mission? Which one, John? The, the Challenger mission or the uh, yes, or the, the Challenger mission? Yes. Well, I don't think they actually found officially what happened there, but they do know from the videos that they saw at the time, and they did recover, I believe, the solid rocket motors. They went uncontrolled that we saw in that horrific explosion. But we know that one of the uh, main reasons for that failure was an O-ring seal that had failed. And it's all due to the temperature, but I don't think, John, they actually found the exact, you know, the exact particle from that you know, particular disaster other than seeing the burn through of the solid rocket motor into the large external tank. That's totally unbelievable. But the point is, don't launch when it's 26 degrees Fahrenheit. That's uh, something that NASA should have not done at all, but that's what happened. You think that was a contributory factor? Absolutely. Oh, most definitely. They, the whole NASA research team, a lot of astronauts, you know, on one of these blue ribbon panels, they did indeed search and say one of the main reasons for that disaster was launching at a time when it was very, very cold. But there was a problem, as I mentioned before with the O-ring systems on those solid rocket motors. But it's so incredible, John. On the positive side, we talk about this Japanese JAXA, a Japanese aerospace exploration agency mission called Moon Sniper. Isn't that incredible? They soft land on the surface of the moon. They actually landed, John, on a slope on the moon in a crater region called Shaoli. And how they did this is even more amazing. They used a modern-day software, imaging software called Smart Eyes, so it basically was following up the terrain or following the terrain on the moon. And as it gets closer and closer to the surface, it's using these algorithms and the computers to be able to soft land. Well, at two meters above the moon, they say they dropped off these two little probes, one called LEV-1 and LEV-2. They're tiny little, almost like little toys. And they're out there to just roll around the moon. And one of them was actually made by a Japanese toy company called Tomi. So the Japanese are very sophisticated on this. But sadly, the lander probably is dormant because it's ran out of battery power. But we got to give them credit. They're the fifth nation to land on the moon. Isn't that just totally amazing? It's tough to land on the moon. It, it is, uh, I guess so. I mean, uh, 
uh, was even more re- remarkable. Uh, how are the Chinese doing on the other side of the moon, the dark side? Well, they have this particular rover on the surface of the moon that's actually doing some research. And you got to give them a lot of credit because no nation, including the United States, has ever soft landed on the, as we call it, on this particular uh, dark side. No, it's more correctly the far side. Well, that particular rover and spacecraft is actually working in a very interesting way. Before they landed there, they sent the spacecraft up that would be a satellite. So when on the far side of the moon, which obviously radio signals don't travel too quickly or even you know efficiently, you'd send the signal from the far side of the moon below on the lander up to this little relay satellite and then back to the Earth. But I don't know much more. There's going to be another of these particular uh, Chinese launches coming up soon. But they want to land at the south pole of the moon. That seems to be the hot spot. Why? Because it's a place where you could set up a lunar base inside some of these craters that never get sunlight. And at the top of those craters, you have permanent sunlight. So we'll see what the Chinese do with these particular uh, landers. But, John, the mystery of the week. We talked last week, and, and I just wanted to add a little more information. Geoengineering of the weather. Now, some of this may be conspiracy to some, not to me, but here's what we know. What is it? Modification by humans of the weather we have today. So what they're trying to do, if this is actually true, we know companies are trying to do some of this, but officially is it done for, you know, changing the weather over different countries to use in a military way? There's solar radiation management, carbon dioxide removal, weather modifications, as I mentioned. And what would they do to do this? They'd inject ice particles into the atmosphere to stop the heat of the sun. And they would also add salt water into clouds to make them more reflective to sunlight. And some people, excuse me, are even talking about small mirrors in space to reflect solar heat so that we would lower the amount of sunlight that hits the Earth. But my concern about this is where do you begin and stop? And God help us, in my opinion, if artificial intelligence gets involved in this whole thing. But that's interesting, John. Don't you think this whole concept of humans modifying the weather, well, hopefully it's for good purpose. And I'd like well, to hear your you know, I'll tell you, the, the, our creator who created the earth, uh, the weather serves a purpose of regulating yes. the temperatures of the earth. Uh, so this stuff about uh, 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 too hot, too cold, our creator has, whatever he has created on earth is making the modifications. So modifying the weather, what I would say is if you have a tornado that's going to hit downtown in a city, maybe sure. move the tornado over, you know, uh, a couple of miles so it doesn't affect the buildings or, or something like that, or just, you know, or a hurricane. Maybe move the hurricane over a little bit. And to me, that is the smarter way of modifying the weather. Uh, Because if we we modify, we try to modify the weather in in different ways, then you're you're screwing around with what what the creator has done on the planet Earth. Now, the, the interesting thing I've always said to people, our creator has all the water that has ever been created, the drinking water, it evaporates and it becomes drinking water and it comes back down as rain. You now, bet. 
much so the, the, the same water that we had a billion years ago exists today it just goes up cleanses cleanses itself and comes back down as good uh, drinking water and well john this is um, interesting yeah you're right it, that, yeah, that's you're the right. interesting some, portion no you're right but there's something even more important or equally important that people should know if you took an apple and you wondered when you look at it holding it in your hand the weather sphere the troposphere of the earth is that precious area which we breathe ox- oxygen and of course our weather is in john it's only the thickness of the skin on the apple isn't that amazing that if you look at the entire earth as the apple, that thin layer of skin on the apple is the depth in, in so many ways to talk about it, you know, as an example. But my concern would be what happens if, God forbid, nations got the ability to control the weather, and if you're fighting a war, or trying to create a war, or do something nefarious, hopefully we can't get to the point where in the battlefield we could now on the other side, whatever enemy they might perceive, whoever it is, you know, generate bad weather, or do things to, you know, reduce crop growth or destroy, you know, an entire economic infrastructure. That may sound like scientific and science fiction, excuse me, but I find it quite interesting, just the same. Dr. Sky, Steve Cates, thank you for informing our uh, our listeners, informing every American, and God bless you and God bless America. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Good to be with you and the listeners.